I'm Danielle Houston, the Benefits Advisor at Propel Insurance. This is my podcast, The Checkup. My guest today is Zach Snyder. He is the Government Affairs Director for Regents Blue Shield. Welcome, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me today. It's a beautiful day here in Seattle. It is a beautiful day. Focus on the recording and not the sunshine that you can see beyond the window. I'll try my best, but it it, is very distracting. It really is. So, Zach, can you start out with telling me what's a little bit about your background and what exactly does the Government Affairs Director at Regents do? Yeah, so, you know, I've been the Government Affairs Director at Regents for the last several years, and I actually started out in our legal department. So I have a a legal background and a lobbying background. But when you're a Government Affairs Director, you're representing your organization in Olympia before state legislators. And you're working on everything having to do with health policy. But I'm particularly focused on issues related to how do we finance our healthcare system. These are essential questions like, who pays for it, who gets what, and how much? Always the questions of humanity, right? And especially in in government, right? There's an election just around the corner in November. What do you anticipate might happen in the House? Well, there's been a lot of attention on the upcoming midterm election in Washington State, and there is a lot at stake. We have one U.S. Senate seat up. We have all 10 congressional seats, our entire state house, and about half of our state senate. So there is a lot at stake. A lot at stake. Any predictions? Well, when I think about health care, voters are very focused on it. A recent poll came out, and it showed that 18% of voters identified health care as the top issue facing the state. And that's up from just 9% of voters in 2017. So voters are very focused on that, and they're asking candidates about health care. Do you think we're asking the right questions? Some are, <laughs> some aren't. I'll give you an example. In the 8th Congressional District, this is a big race for the state of Washington. Mm-hmm. Since it was created, it has been a solid Republican district. But because of changing demographics, many political insiders rate this district as a toss-up. And you're talking about the district that includes Issaquah over into Ellensburg. That's correct. This is the only district in the state of Washington that spans the mountains. Got it. So on the, on the Republican side, you have Dino Rossi, who is a, a known quantity. He's yes. been a state senator in Sammamish for many years. He ran for state office, as a lot of your listeners will probably remember. And, you know, on the Democratic side, you have three individuals running for this nomination. They're all relatively unknown, but two of them are physicians. So healthcare is a big issue in that race. People are talking about it and they're demanding solutions. Yeah. So taking the the poll in mind and thinking about what's at stake for these open seats and new people running for office, what do you think that will mean for maybe not just for the voters, but what do you think that's going to mean for the landscape of healthcare here in Washington? Well, I think that you have a situation where the Democrats are running very strong. And Democrats are out there supporting new solutions for the state of Washington. They're talking about Medicare for all and single payer. So that is what they are demanding that these congressional candidates talk about. That is what they're demanding that these candidates for state legislatures talk about. 
And there's a lot of reasons why it would be very difficult to get a single payer system passed, right? Mm -hmm. But even if it doesn't get passed and people are talking about it, there will be other solutions to address the cost and affordability questions. And when you look at the state legislature, they're gonna say, well, we can't do single payer, but we're gonna do some other program. And by the way, we're gonna impose new taxes on employers, on individuals, in order to pay for those programs. New taxes, new payroll taxes. It seems to be the theme around here, really. And I mean, we could pick on the city of Seattle a little bit, which maybe we won't, but you know, across the board, that seems to be the mantra is, you know, let's throw some money at it. Let's see if we can fix it with more money. My question would be, you know, is there anything yet that's actually gonna tackle the cost of healthcare? Because everything that even you've just said is single payer system, Medicaid for all, those are just different ways to pay for our healthcare, right? Where's, where's the solution to actually change the cost, which is really one of the biggest root factors we have? That is very difficult for <laughs> the legislature or for Congress to address. When we look at some of the things that are driving costs, it has to do with prescription drugs, for example. Mm -hmm. And getting your arms around that problem is a huge task. And the state can't do it. It has to come at the federal level. So when we look at all of these different proposals, it's really just putting a Band-Aid yeah. on the problem. We have to get at those root causes. And you know, when we look at the state legislature, Typically, they go the opposite direction. If we want to encourage individuals to get generics, for example, that work for them, the state legislature might say, well, you can't do that, right? They are susceptible to lobbying from pharma and other groups that are aligned with pharma on those issues. So it, it becomes very challenging. Very challenging. So keeping that in mind, and you referenced it briefly about a single payer system, you have mentioned before that there is an initiative that could potentially be on the ballot next year. Is that still true? Are you still hearing talks of that? Yeah, well, this is a great example. A new group called Whole Washington, they actually have an initiative certified by the Secretary of State right now. It's Initiative 1600 that would create a single-payer system in the state of Washington. The organizers of this group have until about July 6th to get the needed signatures. Of this year. Exactly. Right. Okay. To get the needed signatures to get it on the November ballot. How close are they, do you think? I don't know. We don't know yet. But here's what I can say. When you look at initiative campaigns in the state of Washington, in 2016, the average campaign cost a million dollars. This group, according to the Public Disclosure Commission, has raised about $66,000 so far. Really short of what they would need. So if that's any indication, it shows that they are pretty short of uh, reaching that goal. So how would it work based on what you've seen so far? You know, I'll give credit to the creators of this proposal because it is an in-depth proposal. Other states that have tackled this, they've went very broad. So they've lined out exactly how they want this to work. Are they maybe learning from some other mishaps maybe in other states? I or? think so. Okay. I think so. I think they looked at what happened in other states 
where they did a very simple proposal and people were able to tear it apart and say, how will you pay for this? Well, mm -hmm. the supporters of this program have paid for the whole thing and it is expensive. Essentially, the way that it works is it would replace all employer-based healthcare. So it wouldn't touch Medicaid, Medicare, okay. Veterans Administration, the Indian Health Service. It would touch employer-sponsored and individual. Now that is the majority of healthcare yeah. in Washington State. What Do you know what that percentage is in Washington State at this point? I believe according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, it's around 85% okay. of individuals who have coverage in the state of Washington have either employer or individual based. Okay, which would make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. So it would replace employer plans. It would, one of the things that you mentioned before, it would be based off of an existing benchmarking plan. So what kind of a plan here are you talking about? The single payer plan that they would impose would be based off of the benchmark plan as it is defined in the Affordable Care Act. Okay. So every state picks a benchmark plan. And the state of Washington picked a Regents small group health plan as the benchmark plan. So your typical small employer plan would be the base of this single payer plan. But there would be no co-pays, there would be no co-insurance. The supporters of the proposal do admit that perhaps there would be a $250 deductible on drugs, and that's about as far as they're willing to go with any kind of cost sharing. So the whole thing would be funded through a new tax regime that would cost billions of dollars, and it would double state revenue collections, some would say more than double, by imposing an 8.5% payroll tax an 8.5% capital gains tax, and a 1% income tax. And based on your notes, that would raise about $30 billion annually? Yeah, I think that it would raise about $30 billion annually. No one knows for sure, but when you look at all of those taxes, that's about how much it would cost. Do you think it's enough? Well, again, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, the state of Washington spends about $54 billion on health care. And according to the supporters of this proposal, they cite an economist at the University of Washington, a health economist. He claims that the state pays $80 billion a year. You know, the state of Washington says there's about $40 billion in premium. So it's anywhere between $40 and, and $80 billion a year. <laughs> kind of a big delta in there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be achieved through, uh, you know, different kinds of medical management tools and, and all those things that, that people really don't like. No, they don't. I mean, my experience, and I know I've shared some of this with you, it's really challenging to get at the heart of helping people to understand how to shop for their benefits when they don't understand some of these basics. So even throwing people into a system where maybe you have a single payer system, there still would have to be accountability at some level of a consumer to be able to engage with that system. Absolutely. Right? I mean, in, in my mind, anytime you've got a government entity who's going to come in and start providing and managing those dollars, they're going to start managing everything. It's not just about providing the health insurance. There's going to be some other levers that have to come in to play. I think you're right, and I think the supporters of this legislation don't realize that with a single-payer system, 
comes very tight control. Just look at any system across the world. Yes. That is how they achieve that. Now, that might be fine. For someone who doesn't utilize a lot of healthcare like myself, I would be okay with that. But there are people who utilize quite a bit of healthcare and they're gonna have a problem with neural networks, with prior authorization and all these other things that you hear in the community, you hear from employers, you hear from individuals. Yes. They don't like those things. Because I think the biggest misconception amongst consumers is that somehow if we have a single payer system that, that everything's gonna be included, everything will be paid for, and it will somehow be cheaper. And I mean, I think we can all agree there's absolutely nothing cheap about healthcare in that sense. And I don't think there's any scenario anywhere in the world where people have everything for a very low cost. It's all about making sure that everybody has a little bit, not that everybody has all that they want. Absolutely. But, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Do you think this will be successful? I, I don't think it will be successful. I hesitate to bet against anything in politics, but on this one, I would bet against it for the following reasons. Number one, People in the state of Washington are very skeptical of income taxes. The last one we had on the ballot back in 2010 failed statewide by over 60%. Huge. That's huge. This proposal would impose an income tax. It'd be 1%. But I think, you know, kind of one of the earlier comments, we have a state that is feeling rather, I think, beat down with taxes and the talk of new taxes. It seems like, you know, the last thing anyone wants is a new one, especially without some really strong commitments about where it's going to go and how it's all going to play out, right? There's, cause there's no, there doesn't seem like there's a money back guarantee on any of these things, right? Absolutely not. It would, it would create a huge new agency at the state of Washington to administer this program. The proposal would create a $200 million reinsurance program that would lower premium in the individual market by 10%. So the controversial part of that was, well, who pays for it? And the legislature said, well, we're going to tax third-party administrators who manage health care for employers in order to pay for the program. And third-party administrators are typically these third party out there, they're going to manage self-funded plans or processing claims and customer service calls. And this would be for, for people that maybe don't have some of that background with third party administrators. So the money would come mostly from them? The money would come from a split between those who purchase straight health insurance from an insurance company okay. and third party administrators. The, the reason why they couldn't directly tax employers is because of federal ERISA law. Oh, okay. The state is preempted by federal law from taxing employers directly, so they found a loophole to get at employers, and they know that these third-party administrators would simply pass the cost of the tax onto the employers that they're servicing. So it was a clever way to, to tax employers for a noble cause to lower health care for individuals in the state of Washington, but we need to find a broader way to pay for these programs. And the reason why we saw that in 2018 is because of all this discussion around Medicare for All and, um, and single payer. It's, well, we can't do that, but we can do something. Got it, which kind of leads into what would this mean for employers? This comes 
to the forefront, right? Because right? obviously payroll taxes would impact an employer on the collection part of it, on that communication with employees and, you know, any of that other impact. But it's the what comes next. So in 2019, that will be past the election. When you look at recent polls, as I said, it looks like Democrats are going to be making some strong gains. And if 2018 is any barometer, 2019 will see many more proposals. So I think that we will see proposals to tax employers, to tax insurance, in order to pay for programs that they believe are politically feasible, that are less disruptive than single payer. And can we be clear, too, that, you know, typically when these taxes are passed on to insurance companies even, they end up being passed back through to employers as well, right? I mean, if, I mean, the, the state 2% tax is a great example, the federal health insurer tax is a, is a great example. That just added in more taxes and more fees for employers who are providing benefits. You're exactly right. So if it isn't a direct tax on employers, it would be a, a tax on insurance that would be then passed on to employers that buy direct insurance that don't self-insure. Right. So this leads us into some, I guess, interesting opportunity and maybe some new opportunity that we haven't really maybe addressed a lot in our state. You and I have talked about this. We talked about this a bit at the Regents Advisor Council because I think around the table, and this includes my competitors, we heard you talk and I think it, there were at least a handful of us that were raising our hands saying, what can we do with everything coming down the pike? I think everyone who advocates for and represents employers are really concerned with how, how do we advocate for our clients in, in this area because we don't feel like we have a lot of control. So what do you think? That is a great question. Employers have such a strong voice in Olympia because they are in every community throughout the state putting people to work, paying wages, and being leaders. We need to harness business leaders. We're talking about HR professionals, CFOs, CEOs, or other influential individuals inside businesses to contact Olympia and let them know your concerns about the rising cost of health care. This is about access to care for the hardest working individuals in our state. When you look at a successful lobbying campaign, it's not just professional lobbyists. It is also grassroots people who don't have any stake, who aren't professionals. A great example would be the Medical Association. They have professional lobbyists, but they also have grassroots doctors who live in every district and they have a relationship with their legislator and when they speak to them they are very persuasive. So when it comes to our issues, the cost of health care, yeah we have professional lobbyists, we have people like myself, but we need individuals at businesses to contact their legislators as well. And I'm going around the state and I'm talking with business leaders and it's been very successful so far. Yeah, and I think we'd like to be able to help create that environment too because obviously we represent 
employers around Washington State who all have very similar concerns about you know how much more can this possibly cost and I think this is a great call to action to be able to say let's create some opportunity for employers to come together let's give them a space to have a voice and maybe even with each other to bring that to Olympia to fill a void exactly it, it, you know it's easy to get involved it's it's really just being engaged there's no money commitment or anything like that it's get engaged get involved let me or people like me connect you with legislators so that you can tell them i'm very concerned about healthcare costs i'm concerned with this bill whatever it may be whether it's that bill that taxed you know third-party administrators that employers use or something else that we don't know yet that will come up in 2019. And who knows what 2019 can hold, right? I think politics has surprised us all in the last couple years. And I, I mean, if, if other folks are like me, maybe maybe we're all just saying, let's just, you know, wait and see how it goes, but let's not be surprised by anything. Let's just roll with it. Just roll with it. But let's roll with it, but not be silent either. So maybe that's the the secondary call. So if anybody listening to this would really like to have that opportunity to hear more, we are planning some lunch and learn style places where you can hear Zach talk more about what's coming and maybe start to share these ideas and become a lot more involved in what's happening so that when these bills are in front of your legislators, you'll have an opportunity to really be involved and have a voice before we're on the tail end of it and and reeling from something different. So reach out to me. Be happy to connect with Zach and include you in the discussion. We think that's really important for all of us if we're all going to see some positive change. Absolutely. That sounds like a great plan. Okay. Anything else to add, Zach? No, that's all I have for today. You know, it's still (laughs) such a beautiful day, so maybe we'll have some time to get out there. Yes, hopefully. Well, have a great day, everybody out there. I hope that you've maybe been inspired to do something different today, and maybe you've learned something as well as you've joined us. And thanks for checking into the checkup.